Okay, we have reached episode six of the Marketing to Win podcast. I'm Michael Roberts, and today's chat is with Daryl Alfonso. He is the marketing operations leader over at AWS, supports a team of 700 marketers, if you can believe it. I'm on a marketing of two, so pretty crazy difference. Awesome chat with him. He talks about a little bit about their org structure and a lot of the non-sexy pieces of marketing operations and automation, such as database health, but it's critical that we understand those things because otherwise the good marketing can't happen without it. So take a listen, lots of good lessons to come from it. Why don't you go ahead and set the stage a little bit of you know who you are, who you work for and what you do. And then let's jump into the case studies or examples or stories, you know, success stories that you want to share. Um, and, yeah, sure. And it might, you know, whether that was in this job or previous job, uh, set the stage of what you were doing and what you were selling and who you were selling to, and then we'll get into it. So yeah, sure. Yeah. Take it away. Yeah. So great to be here. My name is Daryl Alfonso. I'm the global marketing operations manager at Amazon web services and Amazon web services is the cloud computing business of Amazon and millions of customers use AWS to power their infrastructure and applications. Um, some of our popular services are storage, compute, and databases. Uh, we also have advanced services like machine learning and AI. Um, and my main focus here is uh, really to empower the hundreds of marketers using our MarTech applications and MarTech stack to create delightful experiences for our customers. So it's interesting, interesting place to be. My you know, we always think about the end user customer, customer using our services, um, but a big focus of our team is internal customers, which are, um, you know, actually the marketers, the salespeople and those, those stakeholders. Um, but I've, I've been in, you know, marketing, B2B marketing for over 10 years now for, for startups, mid-sized companies, and now enterprise. So I happy to share um, any of the examples and kind of projects that I've worked on in the past that, that have worked well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go in, let's go right into it. And in fact, I'm, you know, selfishly probably extra interested even in like the, some of the enterprise stuff because I've always worked on small teams. And so yeah. where you're servicing, like you said, hundreds of marketers, well, on my marketing team right now, there's like two and a half. So <laughs> like, you know, the, just the scale and differences are, are so big. So whatever you're willing to share, let's, uh, let's dive right in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if we're talking about enterprise, so, um, you know, typically, and, and these are for uh, my colleagues that also work at really large organizations, you usually have either a centralized or decentralized model when it comes to marketing. And centralized is actually the most common one, even for some really, really large companies um, because of the governance that you can do. And that, that means you have a, usually a centralized team, and it's usually not that big, of people that run marketing operations and a lot of times run campaign operations as well. At AWS, we have a large decentralized model with hundreds, over 700 today, uh, where they're, where they're de actively deploying email and marketing automation campaigns um, via our platform. And we're a Marketo and Salesforce shop. 
And so this is how it works all across the world. We made that decision to really be agile and to empower marketers to get their messages out, help customers really, really quickly and leverage the capabilities of a fully developed marketing automation instance without having, you know, and as, as I'm sure you're no, you know, when you build a marketing automation platform from scratch, it takes a while and there's a lot of hiccups and things that, that go into that. So with us, how we do it is I would say two main things. One is building a center of excellence that allows marketers to already have pre-built program templates and campaign templates. I'm talking about events, virtual events, drip nurtures and uh, lead nurture campaigns, newsletter campaigns, um, a variety of different types of programs that you would want to run. And they're already sort of built to best practice and to the standard that we like to adhere to um, at Amazon. So they can leverage those. So building those center of excellence, that center of excellence is one part. And then the next part is a real investment in training. Um, as a matter of fact, I just completed a 30 plus video library. Um, so, you know, sitting on my computer, going through Marketo, clicking on things and showing people how it's done. And I broke that out into over 30 videos and have, you know, almost like a Netflix-like channel where marketers can go on and learn anything that they want. So, so we have a real, uh, you know, dedication to training, um, building those resources, and also a multi-tier certification um, system where, you know, depending on the level of proficiency that you have, it actually allows you more access to the platform and more um, sort of, you know, you get increased responsibility as you learn more and as you kind of certify that you have learned more. Yeah, that's fascinating. Is that, was the decentralized model like something that was started from the like, get-go or did you have to transition um, from something like centralized, like, I mean, just like how long have you, you know, was there a transition or was that kind of like a strategic choice from the beginning? Yeah, it was a strategic choice. I've been here for almost two years now and actually they had already made the shift to that model before I got here. Um, and before, and I think that, um, you know, I think, I think marketers and especially marketing operations can attest to this. Um, if, especially if your company is doing well, the number of campaigns and requests just keep going up. And uh, it's very hard for one team, one person to keep up with all of that. Uh, so it was a strategic decision to enable marketers. And, and I think it's, it's not the right decision for all companies. I think that we have a, the, you know, just kind of luxury of getting really technical marketers and experienced marketers that we hire. Mm -hmm. So they've come from places where they've built their own campaigns. They know data. They know how to um, engage customers along 
their 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 buyer's journey. So um, you know, training them on how to use this specific platform and our specific processes, it, it it's it's not easy, but it's also not like we are um, teaching beginners um, most of the time. So that that was one of the things that kind of went into our decision uh, of doing that. Now. For a lot of organizations, especially more traditional ones or that are still going through that digital transformation, you know, like let's say manufacturing or, um, you know, some of the other industrial type type services for B2B, um, that might not be the right decision. You know, if, if um, a marketer is not used to digital marketing or the types of platforms that we have today, um, that could be a little rough to all of a sudden give them all of these, you know, state of the art tools to, to do marketing. Um, well, so that was a, that was something that went into our decision-making process. Well, yeah, and that goes into the training a little bit. Anytime you switch over to a new job, um, the fire hose is something that we all experience and, and, uh, uh, that, you know, the training and whatever is critical and has to be paced and, and then, and you always want to get in there and make something happen, right? You want to, you know, start off good. So, um, so are there like, uh, <clears throat> so it sounds like in that model too, that you're, I mean, you're talking about seven, like 700 marketers that are doing this different campaign work. Um, are they, and then, but then they get more access as they increase their proficiency, which makes sense to me. So how are you balancing this idea of being agile and giving like the marketers the freedom to do what they want to do, mm. but you've got so many, right? I'm assuming that they're all kind of specialized within a particular facet of, of, of the market, whether like they're delivering event experiences or whatever. So how are you um, managing uh, all, all of like keeping the quality and managing yeah keeping them where they're supposed to be, but also making them feel like they can have like a broader impact in being agile? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And, you know, I'll be honest, it, it is a really big challenge and why, and, and it's fun, you know, um, and, and, and why we need people in marketing operations that can look at this and sort of understand that we want them to be agile, but we also want to ensure a high bar of customer experience and, and of campaigns and of also, you know, today compliance, Every, you know, we have to treat customers data <laughs> with respect. Um, so, you know, with our teams, a lot of it, a big focus is going to be, you know, field marketing, which are marketers that focus on driving event attendance and um, you know, we do, we do several learning events and now it's all virtual. Um, but we used, we, we used to have, you know, almost every, pretty much every month regional learning events in all the major cities across the globe. Um, now it's all virtual. So field is a big part. And then another part is product marketing. And with, Amazon Web Services, we have over 170 different products and services that um, customers can choose from. So uh, those different products and services have specific product marketing teams that focus on adoption and education and um, 
you know, cross-selling opportunities with those different services. The way that we do it is putting in place different checks and balances. So really enforcing the center of excellence and the certification is definitely one, you know, pillar of that. Um, I think the other one is going to be very frequent and regular global reporting um, all the way down to the regional level. So we break out um, all of our email campaigns, for example, we see on a weekly basis where the underperformers are, where the top performers are, and it allows us to react really, really quickly yeah. um, and give leadership to that visibility and that accountability. Um, in the past, there have been that lack of visibility. What ends up happening is uh, several months will pass by and you've got unsubscribes going up. You've got um, just a pattern of campaigns that aren't engaging and aren't valuable to our audience. And that was a really large problem. And the regular reporting cadence, and I'm talking weekly, um, we're able to quickly see where the problems are and action it right away. And, and usually what that, that action ends up being is retraining and then just communication. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of different, it's really amazing the types of things you can do with marketing automation today. You can actually set up the system to really focus on value for customers and what they want. I mean, you've got things like um, customer preferences, which you can um, enforce when, when marketers are using targeting. So they can only target customers that have specifically requested these types of communications, you know, newsletter, events, um, ad additional product or service news and launches. Um, so, so, you know, uh, tailoring your communication to those preferences is a big part of what we do. And then, um, you know, another thing that you can do from a central level is really clean your database and almost suppress people that aren't engaging. And I think that that today, and, and this is, and I feel this especially because I actually come from a much smaller organization with a much smaller database it can be heartbreaking to suppress qualified leads. But at the end of the day, you have to really kind of face reality. And if they have not visited your website, opened your emails, or filled out any types of forms within six months, it's highly likely they're not gonna do so in the next six months, unless something big changes. And I think that if a lot of marketers can face up to that reality, they'll see their engagement um, metrics really skyrocket because you know, they're focusing more on an engaged audience. And they're also you know, learning to, to improve the quality of their own campaigns. Um, but that's something also that we do from a centralized perspective yeah so a couple of things with that uh one um to just to support i think i think with like the reporting and whatever you're talking about like 
Um, if I were the product or field marketer that you're working with, man, I like understanding I've got that much support to know how to do my job better would be like extremely valuable. Like that all I have to do is I do my work and I'll be notified with like the weekly reports, whether like I've got to change something. And, and then not only that, it's and like, like you're not even, <clears throat> which I think would, would really help with like the unity and um, collaborativeness of the team, knowing that like, hey, I, like ops has my back. They're gonna tell me when I'm not doing good enough, but they're not just gonna say, you know, hey, do better. They're, they'll help me, um, whether it's with training and whatever. Uh, yeah, we try, we try to do that. And, you know, I think that for some people they feel <clears throat> that same way where they come, especially if they come from a less uh, mature company when it comes to digital. Um, but one, one of the challenges I think that with any organization is that competing priorities. Um, and, you know, uh, rightly so, many marketers today are, um, they're tasked with very tough goals to achieve. And a lot of those goals, and, and I, I don't disagree, a lot of those goals are going to be revenue-based, are going to be new customer-driven. Um, you know, we call them product adoptions. And sometimes, you know, when you start to focus a little bit too much on those goals, then you, you lose sight of the customer experience. And then you also, one of the things that, we th we think about and i've had to sort of shift my perspective is the idea that customers can want a variety of different things i think that when you are focused on selling maybe just one or two product or services it becomes much more simple because you know everyone can align much easier because there's 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 just a single set of goals that, that everyone across the organization has to achieve. But when there's 170 plus different products and services, that becomes a completely different ordeal. And that's one of the things that, that we try to solve with center of excellence and reporting is how do you get marketers when, and salespeople that are selling different products and services to remember to um, respect the customer experience and to understand sort of think broader that they may not want this specific product or service today, but that may not mean that they may not want it tomorrow. Um, so that's something that is definitely top of mind for us. Yeah. Well, I think those hard goals and like losing sight of the customer experience plays right into your other point about the whole, you know, keeping your database healthy because I, <clears throat> there's, I, and I, I experience this in my last job all the time, like there's some end of quarter goal or something that you're really trying to hit and you have those people in your database, right? <laughs> and it's just so tempting to, to just look, just include them. Just like, just, just keep them in there. It's not gonna hurt, but it does hurt. And like, if you actually think about their experience, <clears throat> a lot of that bad data, those people technically probably don't even exist anymore. Like people switch jobs so frequently now that like half of those contacts might like not even be there. And, yep. and, and, 
and that's just an example of like, you know, if you get too, too pigeonholed or focused on something that takes you away from the customer experience or just understanding that, Hey, my, the personas that I target have a turnover rate of, you know, 20% per year. Well, Mm -hmm. every, every five years, your whole database should turn over. And, um, if you lose sight of that, then yeah, you can lead, it kind of leads you down a path where you can make some unfortunate mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that. And there's, you know, the two sides is, you know, one is, is database hygiene, which I'm really passionate and interested about. And then the other is, you know, where a lot, sometimes marketing operations doesn't have the influence over it um, is, you know, just doing good marketing and producing good content. I think that our, the way that we've done it and the way that AWS done has done it, I really admire because they're heavily centered around educational events. Um, so it's, it's definitely not something where it's more promotion based or, you know, pushing products and services. Um, you know, if you go onto the site, for example, and go to resources, it's all learning, learning opportunities. And that's one of the core tenets of AWS marketing. Um, but the other 50% is going to be how you keep your database clean. And I think about that in two ways. One is to increase the amount of good data within your system, good and accurate data. And the other part is decreasing the amount of bad data. And that means duplicates, invalid email addresses, outdated contacts, um, bots and fraudulent um, email addresses. Those are, so, so if you break up your database hygiene efforts, you can actually put them under those two umbrellas, you know, increasing good data, which is, you can also do things like standardizing all of the data sources. And that's, you know, list import, that is leads coming from your webinar or learning platforms, um, or your customer um, data platform. And then, um, normalization where they're coming in and maybe they have a slightly different lead source or there's some typos there. Um, you know, increasing, increasing good data could just mean, um, you know, normalizing and standardizing that data. So good data is making sure good data is coming in and that they're normalized. And then bad data is, you know, all of the things that contribute to, you know, we can't communicate with this person because the, the information is, is invalid or is junk. Yeah. Uh, do you have any like uh, specific, wh- whatever you're, you feel like you're able to share, like specific or direct business benefits that you like that have been brought to AWS because of some of this stuff? Like, have you been able to move the needle from like say A to B doing, um, doing this kind of stuff, whether it's revenue, engagement rates, so forth? Yeah. Um... I can't, I can't really share specifics, but I will, I will say that, um, you know, since implementing a lot of the things that I'm talking about, um, we get some visibility actually, um, into sort of industry engagement rates and, um, 
you know, program performance. And we consistently perform in the top percentile. Just, and I strongly believe that it's because of some of these practices that we, that we implement, starting with the database hygiene and keeping a really um, close eye on the data that's coming in and, you know, suppressing, isolating or or completely deleting um, bad data. And then the other part, which I mentioned before, which is the governance piece. You know, how do you ensure that marketers who aren't necessarily under your reporting structure, like you don't have official authority over, how can you make sure that they are uh, respecting the customer experience while they're trying to reach their goals? Um, and, you know, it's the center of excellence. It's the training that really puts that into play. I, I will say another thing, and this is this expands a little bit on the different levels of certification. We only allow marketers with the highest level of skill to actually deploy email campaigns. So, you know, the rest, the hundreds of others can actually only build campaigns and they can build like landing pages and stuff. Um, but to actually interface with a customer or send something that, a, a, that can be in the hands of a customer, we actually have a much smaller number where we talk with them, train them more frequently. Um, and, and if, for example, there's anything like, Hypothetically speaking, if there was some sort of major problem, we could lock down our platform pretty quickly by just working with those specific folks. Yeah. Um, so that, that's another way that, that, that we've been able to really kind of influence um, our business metrics. Awesome. Um, man, there are a lot of good lessons out of this, I feel like, and you know, it comes back to, too, I don't, there's no, you know, as you talk through, like, the process and stuff, there's, there's really no, like, silver bullet, like, not, a lot of those ideas aren't, like, mind-bogglingly new or whatever, but the execution and discipline to stick to the database hygiene or whatever is probably the thing that, you know, separates you guys and puts you in that, that top tier, so. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think that, you know, the things that we do are really revolutionary or anything like that. I do agree with you. I think that it's um, a lot of times, sometimes it's the mundane stuff <laughs> that really make the difference. You know, I don't know that, um, you know, for, for example, database hygiene is not really a sexy topic, oh, uh, well, especially, especially today. <laughs> There's nothing about it that that's really fun. Like, nothing about it um but it's it's the it's the foundation of everything that we do because yeah. you can't really do personalization without good data you can't do segmentation without good data your reporting um it will really be lackluster if uh, your database isn't correct and the types of information you're collecting isn't right um so a lot of people miss that and that's something that you know I've always wanted to do like a post or a blog post about is, is that it's the, it's the mundane 
and boring stuff that really enables or 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 um yeah really enables the cool stuff that we all want to do and i think i think a lot of people miss that and they they kind of forget about that yeah exactly well i appreciate the time it was really good to chat um wish you the best in all the work you're doing and you know we'll stay in touch as we as we uh continue to interact on linkedin and all that stuff so yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. Yeah, you bet. Really I'll, appreciate uh, it. 